0: Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. All right, we went through the seven parables in Matthew chapter 13. Is there an eighth one? (laughs) We'll find out. You can either call it a parable or you can call it something else, but there's an eighth point. And there'll be a final point for this message this evening, and it will be be concerning the parable of the householder. Let's begin reading in Matthew chapter 13. This sermon will be the last of the series on Matthew 13, wrapping up the parables uh, concerning the kingdom of heaven. And this will be a review and a wrap-up message, and then we'll move on. But the Bible says in Matthew 13, in verse number 51, Jesus saith unto them, Have ye understood all these things? And they, that's the disciples, say unto him, Yea, Lord, that's pretty good. He just taught them seven powerful truths in parable form. And they say, Yea, Lord, we've got it. Then said he unto them, Therefore, every scribe, a scribe is a learned man. Uh, that's someone that has some instruction uh, that they've grabbed onto. Uh, every scribe which is instructed under the kingdom of heaven. In, in in other words, these seven parables, these seven kingdom parables, you've been taught them. You've learned about those parables of the kingdom of heaven. So he says, is like unto a man that is an householder, which bringeth forth out of his treasure things new and old and if you're a servant uh, well first off if you've got a treasure there's no sense saving if you're not going to use your savings there's no sense having a million dollars in the bank if you're not going to do anything with the million dollars except live and die with it in the bank so if you've got a treasure you might as well use it for something now if you're going to be a scribe if you're going to get some knowledge if you're going to have some bible truth uh, especially these disciples that just been taught by the master himself. You better use it for something. <laughs> if if I've taught you, now you teach others. So there's that principle there. And if you're going to be a servant at the house of God, that's the that's uh, one of the practical applications we can make. But these parables in Matthew 17. W- when you're when you're looking at this parable of the householder. You see where it says, bringeth forth out of his treasure things new and old. These thirteen parables, when you go through to understand them, it's tying in Old Testament truths with New Testament truths. You can't forget the old just because we're in with the new. And so these kingdom of heaven parables, these prophetic uh, these prophetic things that were were prophesied in the Old Testament, you, you can't forget them. You've got to learn them and understand them so that all of these parables make sense. You've got to study the New Testament along with the Old Testament. And this is how you understand distinctions. Like what, what we've been learning is, why does good and evil exist during this church age time we're in now? Uh, leading up to the second coming of Christ. Why, why does it exist? And we learned a lot of why it exists and what to do with it as it exists when we got an understanding of these parables. But as we close, I want to make this point and we'll wrap it up at the end. We are not in the kingdom right now. Right now we are in, we have been placed into a body, the New Testament church, the body of Christ. Christ is the head of that church. Uh, he's not the king of the church. He's going to be crowned king when he comes back. And so we need to get that understanding. And until then, wickedness is still going to abound until harvest time. And um, guess what? It's going to continue to get worse and worse. But be not afraid because we learn that the Lord, his plan is not going to fail. So, The parable of the sower, by way of review, let's look at that real quick. Uh, Matthew 13, let's get our spot uh, in in, in there again. And it says in verse number three, behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when Jesus was here on earth, his first coming, we know that he didn't come as king because we already talked about that. You know your Bible well enough. He came as a servant. He came as a suffering servant. He came as a savior for the world. And when he was there, he was broadcasting seed He was And now that he's gone, he wants us to broadcast seed When he sowed some seeds, verse 4 Fell by the wayside and the fowls came and devoured them up Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth Forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth And when the sun was up, they were scorched And because they had no root, they withered away And some fell among thorns and the thorns sprung up and choked them But other fell uh, into good ground and brought forth fruit, some 100 fold, some 60 fold, some 30 fold. What are we going to understand this parable, the sower? Jesus is giving us an understanding of the human nature side of things. And that is obstacles are going to be there. You're not going to get away from obstacles in life. We also learn By way of review, was there anything wrong with the seed? Nope. The soil was the problem. And there's no way this illustrates bringing in the kingdom. Now, because we said that it's 100 fold and 60 fold and 30 fold, and there's very little results. So this isn't bringing in the kingdom. Matter of fact, the absolute opposite will happen. Don't expect big results Don't expect to fill Stadiums with thousands of people It's just not going to happen You know why? Because the world, the flesh, and the devil Is going to choke out the seed Count on it, mark it down Don't expect anything else Other than what the Lord told us And don't you dare use that as an excuse to not sow seed. Let us not dare do that. <clears throat> now there's going to be, we, we, have a, we have a blessed hope, okay? We have a blessed hope. And, no, no. But when the rapture occurs, it really isn't going to be a big surprise on the news channels. Because what we are dealing with right now is the faithful few that are sowing the seed and getting a result of one fourth. <laughs> Ten people, you get a quarter. Of a thousand people, a quarter of that. A million people, a quarter of that. <laughs> there really aren't that many. People might be identifying as a Christian, you even have to be careful how you even use that word nowadays, they might be identifying as a Christian for a survey, but as far as them being truly regenerated and born again, if the rapture were to happen right now, it might be a week's worth of fake news, (laughs) and then it's just, they're just going to go on with life. Why? Because the parable of the sower. We have yet to have one village, one town, one state, one nation that has been completely converted to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not going to happen. And the parable of the sower teaches us, don't let us use that as an excuse to not sow seed. We got to keep sowing seed. Christ told us what the results are going to be. Then we had the parable of the wheat and tares. We looked at that, verse number, uh, where is it? Verse number uh, 24, another parable put he forth unto them saying the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. While men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. When the blade was sprung up, brought forth fruit then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field Whence then had the tares he said unto them an enemy hath done this Who's the enemy that's Satan. The servant said unto him well thou then We go and gather them up but he said Nay lest while you gather up the tares You read up also The wheat with them let them uh, Let both grow together until The harvest and in the time of the harvest I will say to the reapers Gather together first the tares and bind them in bundles To burn them but gather the wheat Into My barn We can't look at the world and say, there's a bunch of tears out there, and then conclude, let's go pull them all out. Jesus said, leave them alone. You're not going to clean up the world. We are not going to fuse Christian living with American living. We can't fuse commands that God gave To born again Christians We can't fuse them into commands for American citizens (laughs) uh, America is a nation Is a Christian nation in so far as In its beginning it has adopted some principles from the Bible But it never adopted The doctrine of the Bible No deity of Jesus Christ Just lodging in the branches thereof, taking the good moral teachings of Jesus and everybody, which it isn't hard to do, (laughs) the lostness of lost people believes in Christianity insofar as, do you think they want a boss that cheats them? Why not? They won't admit to you that that's a Christian principle, but it is. (laughs) You know what they want? Christian principles. They just don't want Christ. (laughs) That's a big problem, wouldn't you say? That's a big problem. So the parable of the wheat and the tares gives us the reason why we don't try to reform the world. You can try to start a campaign, many people have, and rid every town of liquor, rid rid every town of dance halls, rid every town of gambling, rid every town of immodest dress, rid every town of foul language, and tell me where we can go in the United States to find a town like that. You won't find it. That's the world. Leave it alone. Let The tares grow along with the wheat. You continue to sow seed. And God said, when I come back, I'll sort it out. Leave it alone and preach the word. Stop trying to weed the garden. And get busy preaching the word. Why? Do you think Satan can stop the gospel? No, sir. No, ma'am. Do you think Satan can destroy the wheat? Not a chance, not a chance. And then we got to the parable of the mustard seed. Look at verse 31. Another parable put he forth unto them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs and becometh a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge. And the branches thereof Talked about this is not the gospel Going out this is not the world being Christianized Well who do the fowls represent They represent The evil and the wicked work And the tree Represents The expanding kingdom here on earth Except they're not claiming The king If you will This is why we are called to live as strangers and pilgrims. We're passing through and we are not to get ourselves involved with reformation of the world. We're not to get ourselves involved. Now I got to be careful. i say this. We are not to get involved in politics as far as it goes with the function of a new Testament church. Okay, because do you want the drunk as the mayor of the town, or do you want the guy that is sober when he goes home to his wife and family? Right? What is that? That's called using your brain. (laughs) That's what that's called. Okay? That is not marrying the function of a New Testament church in the politics. That's called, you have to function civilly as an American, but that's not, but that is not the work of the church. That makes sense. And so what has happened is when you make it the work of the church, you get yourself into changing the message to now reforming society. Morally and socially Through social change and political change That is not the gospel That's why we don't busy ourselves with those things We busy ourselves with Not trying to improve the world Trying to improve someone's Someone's state of their soul does that make sense? The state of their soul. Do you have a blessed hope? Where are you where are you looking? Where are you looking? Uh. Uh, not down here on earth. Verse thirty-three of the parable of the leaven. By way of review, it says, Another parable spake unto them, the kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven which a woman took. And hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. So that mustard seed, we 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 see the distinction between the parable of the mustard seed and then leaven. The mustard seed was the outward corruption. The outward corruption you can see lodging in the branches thereof. People saying they're doing things in the name of Christ as they don't name and claim Christ as Savior. This leaven, this parable eleven, leaven, it contrasts that external corruption with internal corruption. Oh, man, we finally got a good meal. Isn't it great? Except it doesn't stay great because there's a corrupting agent that enters in and it takes a good meal and it just ruins. It. You're going to have, you know what the good meal is? It's good doctrine. You got a church. It's got good doctrine. It's got good people that believe the Bible and want to learn more about the Bible and have their focus on the Great Commission. But not too long, somebody comes in and says, you know what, I think we need to make this taste better. I think the meal needs to be a little fluffier for the palate. And there comes the leaven. <laughs> Isn't that why you cook with leaven? You want it. To be fluffy and, and tastier And this is showing us that You add leaven To good doctrine You're going to make that doctrine lighter and fluffier And you're going to ruin the whole meal <laughs> And so what is that? A picture of Internal corruption One is external mustard seed One is internal Leaven Then we got the parable of Uh, The treasure we talked about that's the redemption of Israel And then we got to the parable of the pearl of great price And those two parables work hand in hand in giving us the idea uh, More than idea, it gave us the assurance That God's got it under control, he said he was going to redeem his people That promise is going to come to pass And he said he's got a church, he's going to place his His redeemed saints in, and and he's got it. His plan isn't isn't going to fail, so so we're safe. But let's read verse 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hidden a field. The which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth the field. That treasure was Israel, and that parable pictures Christ redeeming that nation. He purchased that nation, and so then verse forty-five, by way of review, the uh, kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had, and bought it. How many pearls were there? One. It's not pearls of great price. How many churches are there? One. There's one church, the Church of Jesus Christ, and all born again believers are placed into that one one body. And we talk about how the pearl formed. There's an irritant that enters into that oyster. And we're the irritant. <laughs> we're, we're the sin. And the merchant man is Christ Jesus, and he came and redeemed us, both Jews and Gentiles. And that's the good news. Basically, teaching that this pearl of great price, Satan only has temporary success. That's it, it's all temporary. And then the last one was Parable of the Net. It's a future time. Survivors of the tribulation, they're going to enter into a physical kingdom, except they are not fit for that kingdom. <laughs> And then we talked about the angels there going to be doing some gathering for the sake of severing. And those not fit for the kingdom are going to be cast into fire. So that's by way of review of the parables. And then there's one more thought that I'd like to look at this evening so that we make sure that we're rightly dividing the word of truth. So I've got one last thought concerning this. Look at verse 11. I'm going to go back to what I said earlier in the message, but Matthew 13, verse number 11, the Bible says, he answered and said unto them, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. You see these mysteries of the kingdom of heaven? This is not Mystery of the kingdom now. I have to say that because some believe that the kingdom is being ushered in now. That's not what it says. It simply says mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. And all it is, the Lord is giving those disciples truth that they hadn't, that has not been revealed to them yet. That, that is all that that means. He is giving them new information in parable form so that they can understand and piece things together. Right now, there is no ushering in a kingdom. Right now, Christ is the head of the church. That is what we are in right now. People need to be more concerned with being happy And joyous and content that they have been placed into the body of Christ, which is his church. And that would be called what kingdom? Not the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of. God, very good. The kingdom of God, which is a physical kingdom or a spiritual kingdom. Spiritual kingdom, very good. We are not in a mystery form of a kingdom right now, physically. All these parables in the book of Matthew, or or at least uh, the chapter uh, 13 of Matthew, is explaining the spiritual state of this age right now. There's a physical age that we're living in, right? I mean, we're we're physical, we're flesh, and it's describing the spiritual state of it. While the physical kingdom of heaven still remains in future view. Do we have a physical kingdom down here now? We do. But this, this, this kingdom of heaven is going to come in future view when Christ comes back and sets up his millennial kingdom. Right now, Remember, we went through some of those Daniel passages. Do we have one prophecy from the book of Daniel that tells us that we are going to have a physical kingdom now here on earth during this church age? We don't have one. We don't have one prophecy from the book of Daniel telling us that. We are birthed into the body of Christ and we become part of a spiritual kingdom. And the time between the, cr- the cross and the second coming is we've got a church. And you know what we are as part of this spiritual kingdom of God, the church, Christ's body. You know what we are told to do? Forget about the physical. That's what we are told to do. Pray. Well, okay, so you got to get on your knees and pray. You got to bow your head and pray. Close your eyes and pray, unless you're driving and you keep them open. Okay, look, you can name all these different physical positions, and guess what? None of the physical positions matter. What matters is you pray. Where does that prayer come from? The heart. It's spiritual communing with God. You see that? When we go out and make war and we battle, do you bring your firearm? Do you bring your sword? Do you bring your mace? Do you have your car alarm? Do you have your taser? Okay, great. Bring them. But it doesn't matter concerning the spiritual battle. <laughs> it only matters if somebody tries to mug you on your way out, on, on your way home from a witnessing encounter. The church is a spiritual entity. And the warfare is a spiritual warfare. Pray. Pray. The, the, the armor that we put on is all spiritual in nature Because this is a spiritual kingdom And a spiritual battle We witness Are we trying to get their flesh saved? No Is your flesh saved? No Will it ever be saved? I mean you'll get a glorified body But right now It isn't going to be any more saved than it was when you first got saved. Why? We're trying to save souls. It's a spiritual. And every time somebody gets hooked on physical, they mess it up. It's all spiritual in nature. The praying. Well, this will be a fun one. This will be fun. Fasting. The world calls it dieting. (laughs) <laughs> right? Because look, I'm not against it, but all, all I'm telling you is I had to, it was required, I had to make 155.9 pounds, no more, no less, or 159.99 9, 9 pounds, no more or no less, depending on what tournament it was. Or I was disqualified. I had to maintain a physical diet. To keep my body under the weight that it needed to be under. So that I can physically attend and participate in a physical athletic event. I'm not saying I'm against any of that. I did it. Say that it's wrong and don't you do it. All I'm saying is that's all physical in nature. You know what our fasting is for now? It's not to lose weight. It's to lose sight of getting our eyes on physical things and get our bodies weak so that we can start relying on the Lord to lift us up. Because we are so accustomed to just doing it ourselves. You know why a lot of people want to come to our country? For opportunity. Opportunity. And you know why people won't come to Christ? Because they think they're going to lose opportunity. And they don't realize... That they're losing all of the spiritual benefits They don't realize that It's all about physical to them In their mind it's all about physical So we're not in mystery form Of some kingdom right now We know what our battle call is Now to wrap up and say this We are premillennialists Not amillennialists An amillennialist does not believe in the literal, physical return of the Lord Jesus Christ to set up an earthly reign here on earth. You know what they believe? Millennial now. Kingdom now. This is where you get kingdom now theology. This is where you get dominion theology. Millennial now. They believe in a thousand years, except they believe the thousand years is symbolic and it's happening spiritually now. So I said all that to bring in this amillennialist position because they have the spiritual completely flipped upside down on its head and they mess it up where the Bible speaks literal. They take it spiritual. And because of that. They think think that's why they teach these parables different because they think they can turn the spiritual tide and set up a kingdom now we're not going to be able to do it folks our job is not making this world a better place It's leave the tares alone, sow seed, fish for souls, so you can make that soul, you won't make it, but the the Holy Spirit will, so that soul has a better place to go when it leaves this physical world. And so these parables in Matthew 13, whether you want to call the last one the eighth parable, if you want to stick with seven and say the last one's... On its own, it, it don't matter to me. What matters is that we understand that they represent the current spiritual state of this physical world that we live in right now. And the physical kingdom of heaven, when Christ comes back to set up his kingdom, that is in future view. In the meantime, good and evil still exist. In the meantime, God and Satan are still both at work. Just because we got saved and we go to church on midweek service, that doesn't mean we're not going to be attacked by Satan. Evil still exists. Satan still exists. But don't confuse this present New Testament church age. With Old Testament prophecy that's pointing to a future physical, literal earthly kingdom that Christ is going to set up. Let's not confuse those two. We are not in a mystery form of that physical future kingdom now. We're not in a mystery form of it. Christ was simply revealing mysteries, revealing information to the disciples that they just didn't know before. I'll leave you with this verse and I'll be done. Matthew six thirty-three, y'all know. To seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's the spiritual kingdom. And his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Let's seek ye first the kingdom of God.